0: Oops, I think you might be on mute, Luke. Uh, you
1: were as well. I couldn't hear you.
0: Oh, okay, that's fun. Um, right, well, we're here now anyway. Um, so can we hear each other? Yes. Awesome, amazing. Uh, right, well, I'll ask you again. H- how are you doing?
1: Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm good, thanks. How are
0: you? I am not too bad. How long have you been back from? Was it France you were in?
1: Yeah, I was in France. I got back on uh saturday so i've been back
0: okay so we would love to say that that's the reason that we've not been doing the podcast for the last two weeks and missed both the masters but um to be honest i think it was just a number of different things that got in the way um but anyway after missing both the masters we are we are back for a podcast this week um typically we come back for a couple of events that are slightly more low-key than normal um marrakesh on the clay and houston in america on the clay um so so starting the clay swing really um some players obviously will choose to to take a week off after the busy double in the sunshine states um but uh but yeah start starting the clay swing um i thought we'd we'd start today just by having a bit of a recap if you got the recap from our last podcast of the i think it was acapulco and dubai that'd be great but we'll also have a little chat through what happened in Indian Wells and Miami just as well. So so I'll hand over to you, Luke, just to open up if you have got those.
1: I do, yes. So it was uh, it was Dubai, Acapulco and Santiago, the last sort of round of tournaments that we discussed on this podcast. Um I actually had some success with my accumulator for once. Um I had Fritz to beat manorino munar to beat Gallan, Artista Good to beat Rendonech, uh, and then I had to beat Paul. Which was void because Bertini retired through to, due to injury. Um, so that was a. Um, in the end, when you take that match out, it was a 2.37 uh, unit win. Um, Charlie's Acker was unsuccessful as it had uh, got found to beat Daniel, which which lost. Um, but overall, for results, we are four wins and one loss. There. Um, I don't think we tweeted anything out or did any articles that week. Um in terms of outrights, uh we've been good recently, but um zero success here, not even a a correct finalist. Um we had uh I had Sina for Dubai Batista Gut my wild card, Charlie had her cash, uh Frankopolka, poor card sits at uh and then for Santiago, we both had Tabilo. I think got to the semis. Bad uh, Gareen. Um, So sadly, it means we were down 5.63 units uh, for that last um, episode. And then finally, the the tips of passes. I went for Beretini and Straits, which lost due to retirement. So that means I am uh, two wins and three losses for the year. Um, Jack had Isner to beat Madasco and Straits. Um, where he won in a very tight Latin loss. Um so he's 0 and 4 for the season. Come on, Jack. Um and Charlies was Goffman uh, to beat Daniel which lost. So he's uh, one win four losses.
0: Awesome. Right, so a poor poor week from us, really, that one was. Um <clears throat> probably justified that we take a, a nice lengthy two week break after that shambles. And yes, come on, Jack, not only Get your act together on the tips of passport. So come back on the podcast, yeah, you lazy shit. Um, anyway, um, so moving on. Um, what has been going on in tennis? So we, we talk a little bit about Indian Wells to start with, given that was the first of the two Masters. Now, the obvious standout is that Taylor Fritz is backing up his early early season form and is looking really, really sharp. Won the Masters title, first big title really that he's he's claimed. Um, beat an injured Nadal in the final, which is a bit of a concern for him as well, moving into the clay swing. Be interesting to see how he physically holds up. Um, and uh, Kechmanovic, I mean, he followed that through into Miami as well, but but he's looking really dangerous. And given that he was probably arguably better on clay previous to his recent hard-for-court form, I'm interested to see how ketchmanovic comes along and, and plays in this upcoming sort of clay swing. Um, so they're kind of the standouts from from Indian Wells for me. Is there anything else that kind of jumped out at you, Luke?
1: Um, not really. I was, I was just very impressed by by Fritz all week. He's someone that I've really rated um, for a while now. I thought this would be a big year for him, and um, so far it has. Um, so yeah, very interested to see. Um, can he, you know, can he back this up? He obviously wasn't quite able to do it in. In Miami, mainly um, due to injury, I think. I think he also kind of ran out of steam. Um, but, yeah, really impressed by Fritz. Kesha as well, someone who, who surprised me. Um, got to the quarters in both Indian Wells and Miami, I think. Um, so, yeah, they, they were the two standouts for me in, in Indian Wells.
0: Yeah. And then, obviously, Miami, I think it was much the same as Indian Wells, really, the people who stood out. Um medvedev kind of underwhelming a little bit losing out to her cash again um which is surprising really that's a match that i don't think he should lose very often at all really um similar game style i suppose big serve very good retrieval uh play defensive play from both um so to, to lose out in straights to her who's obviously very good in miami he's won it before but that that's a big big loss and He's supposedly injured now for the majority of the clay season now, so you've got to you've got to think that Medvedev might not be in the right headspace at the moment. Um, and then we we look forth to um, to Alcaraz, really, I suppose. And I'm going to make a bold statement here. Obviously, for those who didn't follow, Alcaraz, 18 year old Spanish uh, right handed player, very very aggressive baseline player, but also has an all court game. Um, he won Miami and became the youngest ever Masters 1000 winner at Miami. Not in, not ever. I think it was Michael Chang who was the youngest to win a Masters title. Um, but yeah, 18-year-old, just winning Miami is, is crazy stuff. And I, I'm going to make a bold claim here that I think he wins a slam this year. Um, and don't be surprised if it's the French, would, would be what I will say there, just as my closing point on what's happened in, in Miami there. And Any additions?
1: Well that, that is a bold statement. I mean um, he, he's playing so well at the moment that I am not gonna I'm not gonna go against it I do not I d I don't I don't think well I don't think it'll happen. But you might be right. I mean I'd I'd probably make him probably joint right now. I'd have I'd have Nadal and Djokovic top two and then I'd probably have him joint third with with zit Yeah, pass. standouts. Um I mean, well, he, he was the main one. Kasparud obviously got to the final, but he didn't have the... He had one of the easiest runs I've ever seen to, to a Masters final. Had a good win against Ferrer in the quarters, um, but Ferrer's not... Not in, in in a good place right now, I don't think. And that was that was the only re- huge name. He beat Nori as well. Um, but, I mean, Francisco Serendolo in the semis is... That is kind of as draw as, as you could want, really. But yeah, Alcaraz was the, the main headline from Miami, and rightly so. He's a phenomenal player.
0: Yeah, and just jumping in there about Zverev, I think that's a good point, because he is a name that you might look to in the French to, to go deep, maybe even cause an upset run to win it and take his first title. But the way he's playing at the moment, he needs to... He needs to string a few results together. Really, he he's not really done much this year. He's plodded along to round four or whatever it was at the Aussie, um, and then bowed out to Shapovalov. Okay, fine. Shapovalov played well. If you have a bad day, it's okay. That's one one event. He then backed it up with a two hundred and fifty final, where if he's not making a two hundred and fifty final, you've got to question what he's doing. Um, and then he lost to Bublik in straight. Um, okay, Bublik, good player. Like he can he can challenge anyone. And then he went out and lost lost a few kind of early rounds. Um, and then in these Masters events, he's really not played that well, I don't think. Um, against Rude, it was, it was kind of put down as if like Rude played an excellent game. But from the bits I saw, it really was just a lackluster display from Zverev. It was a bit gusty, a bit windy when they played. But he really struggled to, to time the ball. Um, and it looked as if he was carrying a bit of an injury around his kind of neck region, which is a bit of an odd one. Um, and he, he was really complaining and struggling with it. So I don't know if there's some injury concerns with Zverev or if it's his mental thing again, because coming off the back end of last year, where I think most people thought that he'd kind of got it all sorted, Olympic gold, World Tour finals, uh, looking like he might make this year's, the year where he's going to take his slam title. He uh, He's he's not looking great for, for a guy who, and I, I hate it when people say, look, there." They're 22, they're 23. Why haven't they won a slam? Not everyone is Nadal, Federer, Djokovic. But he is getting to that point now where he should be reaching emotional maturity enough to to kind of be pressuring these events, I think. Um, and that's the, that's the side of his game that's lacking. It's never been weapons. It's never been technique. It's never been anything like that. It's his his actual kind of mental state. And that's something that should have developed, I think, at this point now. Um, and if it doesn't come soon, and potentially even in the French, I f- I fear a little bit for him. He needs a deep run in this clay swing, and maybe a Masters title all too.
1: Yeah, no, you're you're not wrong. Um, just, just one final thing to mention is that um, in the doubles, Herkaz and Isner on both, which is 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 pretty impressive and definitely warrants a mention.
0: Yeah, I actually hadn't, uh, even until you said it just then, clocked that they won both. I mean, I did follow the doubles in both events. That is that is crazy. Um, Kokkinakis and uh, Kyrgios played a bit of doubles in both as well, went fairly deep in, in Miami, I think it was, maybe semis, was it? And then um, I think they made round two or three in, in Indian Wells, so kind of showing that they're not just a flash-in-the-pan pair. Um, if they can pick up maybe one more Masters event, a deep run at a slams... You're probably going to be seeing them at the World Tour Finals. So um, that's fun. (laughs) Um, Anyway, that's enough of kind of going over what's happened in the last couple of weeks. Um, It was important to go over that because literally the two, in my eyes, biggest Masters events we managed to miss on this podcast. Um, but, But there we go. So moving forward, we've got the ATP 250s start of the clay swing. ATP Houston on what is traditionally quite a fast clay court, because it's in America, generally they, they make their clay a little bit more like an underlying hard court. Um, and uh, we've got Marrakesh, which is your more traditional kind of European clay court, a little bit slower. Um, so looking at the fields, um, I believe top seed in um, Houston is Fritz, because uh, Rude pulled out late, as you would have expected, after his deep run in Miami. Um, and top seed in Marrakech. Oh, that's a good question, actually. Who is? Do you know who the top seed is, Luke? Yeah, it's uh, Felix Ojeda Ali. Ah, yes, of course it is. Uh, yeah, so I, I think they're the two biggest names by by some way, really. Uh, the American um, lineup actually has, I, I, th- I believe, seven of the no, six of the seven seeds, because obviously there's only eight seeds, and Rude has pulled out, and they've not replaced him. Um, are, are American. Um, which is pretty wild. I think it's Isner, Apelka, Fritz, Brooksby, TFO and uh maybe Tommy Paul, I think, uh might be making up the, the seeds. Maybe it's not Tommy Paul. Uh, I don't know. But there's definitely I think you're right. six, Yeah, I think there's definitely I think six seeds there that are American. So I think it's a pretty good bet yeah. <laughs> to say that we're we're probably gonna see an American winning that event. The only other seed is Christine Garin. There is somebody else who really needs to start putting some results together in this clay swing because he's been terrible for the last, as long as I can really remember now. So, um, And then over in Marrakesh, um, it's, it's a bit more jumbled, really. There's a few different names looking around. Um, so we'll, we'll get cracking straight away and we'll go through um, if there's any kind of notable matches that you do want to reference. Uh, for me, uh, the only thing that looked... Vaguely interesting was uh, I think it was Mackenzie McDonald against Kyrios. Um, Kyrios playing his first clay event for God knows how long. Um, he's only playing it because it's America. But um, I think Kyrios is a pretty firm favourite in the odds. I think it might be uh, like three to one or something on McDonald, which um, seems generous. I mean, he's not a great clay player himself, but it seems generous considering Kyrios might well turn up and. Mess around for, for the day because I think he's there really to play the doubles with sock. <laughs> so so that's the only one that jumps out as me is you might just want to stick something on the other way of that uh, purely for the fact Kyrios could explode.
1: Yeah, I I don't remember the odds being that generous. I think it was more like one to two on Kirios. Yeah, not not one to touch if you're going Kirios's way, just because yeah, you don't really know what he's what kind of level he's gonna produce in the singles. He I mean clay's by far his weakest surface anyway. So um in terms of interesting matches, uh one I'd the only one I'd like to highlight really um was in Marrakesh. It was uh Dan Evans against Pablo Anduhar. Um Dan Evans being the second seed there. Uh, and it's, it's it's a bit of a rough draw in Andujar, someone who's won this event. Um very experienced Clay Corter. Um, you know, it's his best surface and Dan Evans um, but having said that I was a bit surprised by the odds that um, Andrew Hart being 6-11 to favourite Dan Evans 3-2 underdog I think that's pretty generous I think Evans is it's going to take him here I mean Andrew Hart is not he's not someone with big weapons he's not going to blast Evans off the court like you know other clay court specialists might Um Neither of them have particularly good serves, so I think there's going to be quite a few breaks. Um, I just think he can stay in the rallies if he can use his, um, you know, get into the net, use his hands, which can work well on clay if you could do it effectively. He's he's shown that he can produce high level on clay with his um, reaching the semis in Monte Carlo. Um, So I think. Beat Djokovic. Beat Djokovic, exactly um so i i think evans is, is a good price here at three to two um i think if you I'm, I'm gonna
0: jump straight in here and say that i i was a bit of a nerd the last week as well in that i watched far too much challenger tennis um in the evenings <laughs> prior to the the kind of master stuff because obviously i'm in a different time zone so the evening falls when when my kind of european events are on so that's kind of what i've been doing in my evenings and um I watched a lot of Anderha this week, um, and I watched a very, very disappointing performance of his to uh, to lose out. I think it was in the semi-finals of uh, Mercia Challenger in Spain, um, where he lost to Pedro Cachin, um, and that was in, in three sets, I believe. Um, he led by a set, and uh, maybe even did a set and a break, I think it was, and then then just got outplayed, quite frankly. And in some of the early rounds as well, he didn't look great. So this was one of the matches that actually jumped out to me as well. The only thing that made me not want to sort of mention it all too much is just that Dan Evans has been a little bit flaky himself this year um, in that I think people expected him to kick on a little bit more. And he, he's kind of just disappeared a little bit into obscurity. Um, I, th- I think he might have had a little knock at one point as well where he didn't play a couple of weeks. But a um, rough draw at the, the Aussie as well, if I recall. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so it's... Yeah, It's been a bit of a dodgy start for him, but I do think Evans will probably come through that one. Um, I don't think the surface matters that much when we're talking about these very, very top players who are kind of all-court players. Um, it, it, it matters in the sense that they they might not get quite the same purchase on their shots, but Dan Evans has never really been someone to blow through the court anyway, so I, I've always wondered why he's not a bit better on play. Um, so yeah, I, I do agree with that. So what we'll do is we'll... We'll, we'll move forward now onto, onto our accumulators. And I might just jumpstart this now uh, and just quickly whiz through mine. So what I've got um, is I've got, an, I've got a kind of a mix between the two. I did say to Luke before this that I was going to uh, not say anything about Houston because I think it's a trash event. Uh, <laughs> I hate clay court events in America. I think they're just junk. Um, but uh, anyway, so to kick things off, uh, Marrakesh. I've got Laszlo Gera 1-2 uh, to two to beat Jiri Lehecha. Now, a very good young talent, broken into the top 100. Um, he pulled out some really good wins at Rotterdam, I believe it was, um, qualifying and then winning a couple of rounds in the main draw. But I really do think that's why this is this is underpriced on Gere. Uh Lehecha, his form is not that great. Um, he probably is a better clay court player than he is a hard court player. Um, but they're actually very similar game styles. Um, they like to construct the points probably not go for the big shot all too early but they're they're probably what i call three quarter aggressive players they they put 60 70 pace on most shots and very rarely do they go above that but they're they're incredible kind of court coverage and their incredible kind of uh what we call court craft the ability to create angles is what wins them these points and i just think yeah is much more accomplished again he's he's been here nor there for a while now yeah but I think this, he'll just have too much class. And given they're a similar game style, I think that's a very generous price. Um, I've got Federico Del Bonis at two to five to beat Jao Sousa. Um, again, that is in Marrakesh. Um Sousa, great retriever, had a very good start to the year, winning a title for the first time in, I think it's about seven years um, for him. Um, but Del Bonis, he's been in ridiculous form for the last sort of 15, 16 months. Granted, Harcourt's never been in this place, but he's even picked up a couple of wins there, I think. Um, And uh, clay is where he comes into his own. He's going to bully Sousa off the court. Big Sur is probably going to be the difference there. You will see breaks on both sides, but Delbonis will hold more than Sousa and be able to back up probably um, one or two bigger strikes in the court that Sousa just won't be able to retrieve. Um, The only danger is if Sousa starts to mix it up a little bit, maybe come in. And then Delbonis isn't finding his rhythm because it is his first event on clay for some time. Um, but I, I, I really do bad at Delbonis. Um A bit more kind of risky. Here. Actually, wait, was it against Sousa that Delbonis had? I yeah. think it was. Uh, and then it's uh, Dovich. Let me just double-check I've got this right because I might have just rambled on about something that's just completely wrong there. Oh, no, I have I have got it right. Sorry. Um yeah, the, my other one was sorry, was Davidovich Fakina to beat um, Federico Correa. The reason I got that mixed up in my head is because I've written Davidovich Fakina to play Sousa. Reason being is that they're basically the same guy. <laughs> um, Correa is going to make 101 balls um, and has a terrible serve, basically. Uh, Davidovich Fakina is going to have this racket on his racket, as he does in most matches. But he doesn't even need to play well, really, to beat Correa, I don't think. He's definitely going to break Correa once or twice every set. It just comes down to, will he not spray 20 errors each set? And I think that's willing. I'm willing to take that gamble at 4-9 to nine on that one. Um, now I'm moving over to Houston, where I've got uh, Steve Johnson at 3-5 to five to beat Dennis Kudler. Now, Steve Johnson, he's won this event before. He knows what he's doing on these kind of quicker clay courts out here. He's actually not the worst clay player in the world anyway. Beat um, Borna Corridge most notably, at the French Open three or four years ago um dennis kudler by contrast he's won very few career matches um, on the atp tour um on clay um his most sort of reputable clay wins are coming against challenger players um when his ranking dropped a little bit outside the top uh, 150 for that while um and at three to five steve johnson is probably going to win this uh kudler very flat ball strikes again not suited to the clay Uh, dodgy bounce here and there is going to really throw him off um, off a little bit um Steve Johnson keeps the ball really low on that backhand anyway. He just slices away, which, again, does not play into Kudler's hands, really, because it's very hard to get it up and down with a flat ground stroke from that kind of height. Um, and Steve Johnson has a very nice, heavy topspin forehand, which does play very nicely on these courts, and that's going to really trouble Kudler. Both of them great redistributors at pace, so they're really keen and able to hit into the open space, and both of them have re- relatively okay serves, probably similar on that standard. But at three to five... Steve Johnson, having won this event, knows how to play on the clay. He's probably going to win that match. Good value. Um, and then just to round it off, I've got Alejandro Tebbio at 1-4 to four to beat Christian Harrison. Christian Harrison, more well-known for being the brother of Ryan Harrison, actually beat him in order to qualify in the first meeting between the Harrison brothers. Um, Christian Harrison has only really ever picked up tour-level wins on a hard court. I think the only ones I can recall were at Delray Beach, um, where he did make the semis one year. Um, And Alejandro Tebio is an up-and-coming player who is just going to have far, far too much pedigree on the clay for for an American hardcore player like Harrison. That accumulator, Gere, Delbonis, davidovich Fakina, Steve Johnson and Tebio at 5.1 to 1. So that's my accumulator. I'll hand back over to you now, Luke, to quickly whiz through yours.
1: Yeah, most most of that sounds good. Um, The only one I slightly worried about is um David Srichina. I did look at that match and I thought maybe it's Valley. Um but I mean at David is just he's just a bit um he's a bit flaky sometimes. And as as you alluded to he does have the potential to spray his sort of 40 errors in a set and just completely gift it to his opponent. And Cory is gonna be someone that end the rallies as long as possible. um... To try and draw those errors from Dowage But that match is on his racket, and he, he should be winning that. Um, he played really well in Dubai against Sinner should have won. Um, had match points, I think. Um, but yeah, rest of it sounds good. Um, I've taken a slightly different approach of Mayaka in that the these these sorts of clay 250s sort of just after a, you know, just after Miami. So we're changing surface you're always going to get some random results. Um, so I've gone quite short, but sort of matches, I think, are a good value. Um, and I'll start with, I've, I'm taking Dan Evans here at three to two to beat um which I've spoken about earlier. Um, I've also got Jack Sock to beat Christian Garina at evens. I mean, I'm going against my boy Gareen just because, as you said earlier, he is in terrible form at the moment. Um really struggled to pick up wins on the uh on the golden swing on the clay in uh in South America, got beaten pretty convincingly by Tabilo in his in his home event in Santiago, um, if I remember correctly, where he was defending champion. Um so he really needs to find some wins quickly, otherwise he's gonna slip down those rankings. Um and I think yeah, it's it's in America, as you said, it's, it's slightly quicker, which I think will favour sock. And even if Gareen does kind of, well, he's, he's not really one to catch fire. He's he's never one, been one who has, you know, mass absolutely massive weapons. Um, sock is, so I think if he, um, if sock is just a bit patient and then is able to unleash on that forehand, um, then I. I think he'll beat Garin here, who's been really poor, and I think it evens. That's that's a good price. And then finally, I've also gone for Federico Delbonis to beat Jao Souza for the reasons you've just said. Also, I think Souza he's one to he quite likes camping out in that um, backhand corner, you know, running around in his forehand, and I think Delbonis is going to exploit that nicely with his um, his lefty game, his his whippy forehand um into that Sousa cross court forehand into that Sousa backhand. Um and yeah he's he's just a class better on clay at the moment. So I think two to five is a good price there. So I've just got those three. Evans to beat Andy Hart three to two, Sock to beat Garina Evans and Del to beat Sousa at two to five. And those combined for a six to one accumulator.
0: Interesting. So you've gone for a few few underdogs uh, there are a couple of underdogs. Um Sok one is interesting. I'm surprised I've ever heard you go against Green. I do think that Green is not in the form to be to be playing somebody like Sock, who is coming back into the limelight a little bit. Um I always think it's a dangerous prospect as well when Sok's playing an event and he's also got his mate Kyrios around. Um just the vibe of them two in the same tournament tends to make them both catch fire a little bit, as you put it. Um big weapon on the forehand, you're not wrong. Yeah, the only danger is, is that it, he's not a particularly established clay quarter, Jack Sock. Um, so he's probably if that if they're playing close to what they're they're capable of on this surface, you're probably looking at Gareen to win. Um, but Gareen hasn't performed that level for a while. So I think it's a fair choice. Um anyway, moving into the uh into the outrights and wild cards then. Now my outrights, um, I've gone a little bit different here. Um to what I probably would normally pick. Now in Houston, um, I've gone for Tommy Paul at 10-1. Um, to 1. Uh, I think Tommy Paul's looked pretty strong in his hard court matches. Um, he beats Zverev again uh, in Indian Wells, uh, second win against Zverev. Um, he's coming in a lot, which I think sh- he should be doing because he's a, a good counterpunch player. And when he gets those opportunities to attack on the back foot, and then he needs to come in behind it. So so he's starting to do that a little bit better. His serves look pretty strong. Um, and I think these kind of slightly quicker clay courts, these are the ones where he should be bossing. I know he's a, a hard quarter by nature, but um just looking at kind of the, the top guys in this event, I, I would back him against most of them. I think Brooksby might be difficult, but I don't know what Brooksby is going to be like on clay yet, so I can't comment there. Um I haven't even actually really looked at his draw. I've kind of just looked at the names in the event and gone... Could Paul beat all of them? And yes, I I think I'd have him to beat most people in this event. So Tommy Paul, I think, will be dangerous at 10 to 1. Um over in Marrakesh, I've gone nice and easy. I've gone for Felix Alger Aliassin. Um I think i found him at four to one, it was to, to win the event. Um he's just by far the best clay quarter and, and all round tennis player in this event. He's been pretty standout good this year. Um he's got over his final yips as well. So I think I think that's actually a really good prize for Felix here, given that maybe not any more, but like once upon a time, Kay was his best surface. So he's definitely no mug. Um and yeah, it's a new surface for him coming in this year, but he's it's yeah, probably gonna be all right. I think Felix will will come through this week. Um and then you've got my wild card, where having already spoken about how he's won this event before, um, I've gone for old Stevie Johnson to to win and I found him at twenty to one um to win over in Houston. As I say, won it before, knows he can do it. He likes those kind of conditions where he can move around quite freely on the clay. Um slice stays nice and low, especially on these kind of skiddier clay courts that you're going to find um, it's pretty pretty horrible to play against somebody who has a decent serve when it's firing uh, and also Steve Johnson's come a little bit more back into the limelight again he disappeared for a year and a half um, uh, just with terrible results and he's he's breaking back through a little bit more now so I think if he can get a good win here against Kudler, um we might see a good week from Steve Johnson and um, don't be surprised to see him go all the way um, probably don't stick it on like just as a to win probably put it each way um but but yeah I think I think Steve Johnson's got a good chance there. So um just to round off, we've got um uh, Felix over in uh, Marrakesh at four to one. We've got Tommy Pool at ten to one in Houston, and we've got my wild card in Houston as Steve Johnson twenty to one. So they're my picks. Over to you, Luke.
1: Yeah, all sound good. Um I've also gone for Felix and distance, especially at the moment the way he's playing um, and he is he is good on clay so I don't see the, the transition of surface to be um, a problem yeah, if, if he's even anywhere near his best he's going to blow away everyone in this field. Um, Houston I was looking at the odds earlier I was pretty underwhelmed there was no one that really jumped out at me. I mean none of these as you say there's a lot, a lot of Americans in the draw um, you know he we, we question where, where his his head's gonna be at earlier and clay's not even his his best surface Um so I've gone for Francis TfO. Um eighteen to one, I think it's pro- quite a good price. Um considering he is good on clay. He does have the you know, he, he's a very good athlete, he moves very well. He also has the weapons to um to be able to hit through peter's surface Um I don't, I don't think his form's particularly amazing but you know maybe this is a week where he he catches fire there's there's no you know huge names in in here that he can't
0: beat Has as won a title before just out of interest
1: yeah he's won at least what? one he won one a few years ago in Delroy beach I can't oh, okay that might see. make sense
0: yeah fair enough fair enough
1: yeah i yeah he's definitely won at least one title um so yeah he's my 18 to 1 and my wild card, um, I've gone for Lorenzo Musetti in Marrakesh um, at twenty-five to one. I mean, apart from Felix, there's no sort of huge names in this draw. I mean, that you know, Dan Evans is the, is the second seed, and he's ranked right, what mid-twenties now. Um, and yeah, he's 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 been a bit underwhelming recently, but that that is on the hard courts and. Clay courts, where he comes into his own, really. It's, it's by far his his best surface. It um, allows him time to to wind up on the forehand and backhand, where he um, he likes to take quite big swings on both sides. Um, but you know, when he when he can, he is a brick pit, um, and he's very dangerous. And I think if, if he catches fire this week, he could definitely beat someone in the caliber of, of like a like a Felix, particularly if Felix isn't. Uh, at the races. Um, so I think, yeah, 25 to 1 is a good price. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't win here to to pick up another, uh, a different 250 in this uh, short European clay swing.
0: Yeah, so um, I, I like that price on Musetti, to be fair. I mean, I should quickly couple that up, but I think he is going to lose round one to Ramos Vinoash. Very, very experienced clay quarter who oh, I actually debated picking. I think he was one to two to beat Mazzetti. Um Only reason I didn't is because Massetti does have big weapons and an incredible shot-making capability. Um, but uh, I, I do think he's probably going to lose round one. But but if he catches fire, goes deep this week, who knows? Like he's quality player. Felix, obviously favourite. We're in agreement there. Um, and TFO, I like that. It's a good pick. Um, I did actually have a look at this clay court form and it's a bit underwhelming. Um, I thought it was a bit better actually. Um, I remember him cleaning up on the clay um, challenger circuit, but um, yeah, I'm sure he can play. Maybe he's just not, not caught fire on the surface yet. Um, but, but yeah, yeah, given the field that there is there, I mean, it's an, it's an open, open book really. You might as well take a stab at two or three names um, with, with a unit on each really, because I think it's, if you pick one of the bigger names, like you, you and they actually win, you're going to get profit because everyone is kind of like six or seven to one or, or greater. Um and I think there's a number of names in this draw that could win. So Houston's probably one if you're more of like a a punt or a flutter. Um I think Marrakesh is one where it's probably gonna go more linear and the way you'd expect. Um that's just my kind of oversight on the on the whole thing, like my kind of end note, if you will. Um would you agree with that?
1: Yeah, no, I think yeah, Houston is, is definitely <coughs> sorry, a very uh very open event there's there's a lot of names that could, could lift the title um, whereas yeah yeah, said Marrakesh if, if it's on Felix's bracket, really if, whether he...
0: there's a few there's a few injury doubts as well lurking around like we're not sure about Fritz he looked like he was carrying something at the end of the sunshine double um, and uh, I can't there was, there was something about Isner if I remember but anyway uh, there, there was a few names that, that are carrying a few little knocks from the hard court swing into this clay swing and don't be surprised to see a few early retirements round one, or or big names not not going deep or, or withdrawing or whatever. It always happens after the intensive Masters double, um, and anyone who wasn't in that Masters double was doing an intensive kind of challenger <laughs> double as well because the Challenger tour went a bit nuts in these last couple of weeks. Uh, some people chose to opt out of Miami anyway and go and play the clays. So it's um yeah, there's going to be a few few random results this week. It's always expected, so just be on your toes for it um yeah uh, and it injuries uh injuries are not the one as i personally found out with my old ankle injury um and i tried to do some lawn mowing as well with this with this ankle and it turns out that lawn mowing in australia is actually an extreme sport where you you dodge spiders and, and stuff um so that was that was fun Um, anyway, that's, uh, kind of the, the end of this really. So we've, we've established who we think is going to win and fingers crossed. If you follow these, we'll, we'll turn it around to some profit this week. Um, now we say this every time we are going to be a bit more active this week with, with Twitter and whatnot. Now we've done this podcast. Um, and fingers crossed, we can, we can string together a, a few of these in a row, but thank you very much for listening. And thank you, Luke, for, for joining me again this week. Thanks, Charlie. No, that's all right. Um, and uh, yeah, we'll get this out on air as soon as we can so it's ready for the matches tonight. Um, and yeah, uh, follow our, our Twitter at Serving Up Clutch and our webpage, Um And we'll, we'll speak to you next week. All the best. Bye bye.